what I get from traveling is suddenly it's so expansive. It's like it's you learn so much, like just experiencing and feeling and being uh, amongst people that speak different languages or cultures or all sorts. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a celebrity hairstylist and textured hair specialist, former creative director at the Aveda Institute for five years before leaving to become a freelancer with the flexibility and freedom to explore and travel. We met about five years ago, and since then, she is the only person that I trust to cut my curls. Welcome to the studio, Sabrina Kidd. I'm so happy to have you here. Why are you laughing? Because that was a serious intro. I mean, it's all true. Usually, as I'm sure the listeners probably can agree with, when you go to the hairdressers, you sit in the chair, chat, 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 chat. But today, it's all about you, Sabrina. You're in the chair. You're in my world. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great. It's, I appreciate it's, it. It's cool. And... Yeah, so we met, as I said, five years ago, but since then you have cut my sister's hair, mm. you have cut my husband's hair, and you're the only person to have ever cut my son Jude's hair. Oh, yeah. Wow, it's a family affair. It really, <laughs> it really is. We're all there. So I guess, as I said, it's all about you. I'd love for the listeners to get to know a little bit about you and your journey, your career, and I guess going back a bit, really, you know, as to why and how you got into being a hairstylist. Um, I've been hairdressing since I was 12. Wow. Um, I'm now 42. And um, initially, I definitely did not want to be a hairdresser. Um, I did it at 12 purely to get pocket money. And my mom didn't earn a lot of money. And she used to work in a dry cleaners in St. John's Wood. And she didn't have childcare. So we in the summer holidays and things, we'd go with her to the dry cleaners and be downstairs while she's doing her alterations and things. And I'd say, Mum, can I just go out like for like half an hour and walk around St John's Woods? And around there's really super affluent and beautiful and so on. So I'd walk down the high street and I'd be like, wow, this world's amazing. And we lived in Kilburn, which wasn't far away. And I passed this salon. It was a Japanese salon. And it looked, I didn't know it was a salon, like a vintage store or like an antique store. And um, they said they need a junior. So when I went back to the dry cleaners, I was like, Mum, I've seen a place and um, they need a junior. And she was like, baby girl, you're too little to, you're too young. Like, you can't get a job. I was like, but Mum, I can do it. Like, I can wash hair. I can sweep the floor and stuff. So she went round with me and she asked them and they were like, mm, she's too young. And I was like kind of nudging her. Like, I was super shy, but I knew I could do it. And in the end, they gave me the job. Wow, at 12 years yeah, old? Yeah, they gave wow. me the job. They shouldn't have, but I think they just thought... She's like, for her to even ask, mm. like she must really want it. So um, I worked with them on a Saturday and in the summer holidays up until I was 16. And um, it was an interesting space because I come from a background that's not 
I guess it's like not very wealthy working class. So it's like quite a contrast of living in Kilburn and then going to St John's Wood and then meeting a mixture of like Japanese affluent people coming to get their hair done and there's a community within a Jewish community in St John's Wood. So it really exposed me to a whole lifestyle that I wasn't used to living in the borough of Brent in Kilburn. So then I was just like, right... I want I want this kind of space, but I wasn't sure if it was as a hairdresser. I think initially I wanted to be like a interior designer. So I went to college at 16 and then I dropped out because I thought that it was too competitive. So by the time I was 17, there was a breakdown at 15 with my mum. So I moved out and I moved into foster care. So I lived with an amazing foster mother called... Uh, Birdie McDonald, who's like got MBEs and all sorts. Like, not only did I get a cool foster mum, like I got the foster mum. Wow. Do you know what I mean? And so at seventeen, when I didn't know what to do, she was kind of like Jamaican woman, stern, don't mess. She was just kind of like, look, let me tell you something now. I get it. You're young and you don't know what you want to do, but you have to do something. So it's either you work, you study, or you do both. But you're not staying in this house doing nothing. So in the meantime, while you're working it out. You can get up at seven o'clock in the morning like everyone else and you'll just do chores. And I was like, cool, that's fine. I was a bit of a like a the house proud teenager anyway, which I think she thought was unusual. So she was using it to her benefit. So I did it for a bit and I was like, okay, this is this is not cool. Like when your friends are at, I don't know, doing apprenticeships or college or working or whatever. So I'd seen Tony and Guy at the time in Kensington. And there used to be these little outlet shops called Amazon. I don't know if I, I don't know if it's part of the same big brand now, but I used to save my pocket money and go there and buy like. Even then, my chest was quite high. I was like saving my money and buy like discounted Nicole Fari jumpers and things like that. And I'd see Tony and Guy, and I was like, that salon looks so cool. Like if I worked in a salon, I want to work there. So um, I went to my careers office in Wembley, where I lived. And um, I said, look, I've seen the salon, I want to be a hairdresser. And back then they were trying to convince me to go to Vidal Sassoon. And I was like, yeah, Vidal Sassoon's cool, but I don't want to go there. Like, I want to go to this shop that I'd seen. And I didn't know there was quite a few Tony and guys. I'd just seen that one. Mm. And they proper tried to convince me. I was like, no, I want to go to this one that I've seen. So they organised an interview and then I got the job and I started an apprenticeship in Mayfair um, and then moved to Kensington and I worked my way up from an assistant to an art director and I was with them for about about 19 years on and wow. off all together I think and I probably left them when I was about 34 and then I went to Aveda mm. and I was with Aveda for about five years um, but initially the, the, the aspiration wasn't to be a hairdresser to be honest in the beginning I was quite embarrassed about being a hairdresser because years ago being a hairdresser wasn't really a respected craft you know it was like you, you drop out of school, you don't, you're not really academic, like it wasn't respected. Mm. And I've watched it over the years become really respected mm. industry. So now I'm like super prideful about being a hairdresser and and I love it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I didn't know so much of that. So thank you so much for sharing. And why do you think that it has changed? Because as you said, I think, you know, I, the way I see it anyway is, you know, being a hairstylist, especially someone like yourself who has such specialist, you know, like saying about all the knowledge that you share around textured hair in particular. And I think, you know, you've probably noticed yourself in the last few years, this conversation around textured hair and around women of colour, you know, kind of embracing the the different textures of hair that we have and kind of learning how to, to style their hair and different ways to treat their hair instead of just, I guess, be, maybe before it was more around, you know, how to tame your hair, control your hair, you know, this, this narrative of like, change it, you know, braid it or relax it or whatever. Whereas now I think, you know, we've moved towards that kind of 
more natural hair look. So, yeah, I guess how have you seen that change? And I guess I think personally you've played a big role, like I said, in our, <laughs> in our family and in my hair journey. So, yeah, how do you think it's changed? Um, I think with regards to the attitude towards hairdressers, how that's changed is I think they're starting to become a bit more structure and um, education. And, and so people are, there's more of a structure to it. Whereas I think before it was just like people were just doing freestyling and there were some major disasters. So I think people like Vidal Sassoon play a major role in that. They've just shifted hairdressing in that respect. Um and then moving that on in terms of incorporating every single hair texture within the hairdressing business, in particular where you mentioned about textured hair, is when I saw Tony and Guy at the time, I just was like, okay, they just look innovative. They look cool. They're a cool brand. Mm-hmm. Like before I knew what about brands, I was like, they're just cool. So I was drawn to that. And I just assumed if you're a hairdresser and you're an established one in central London, you just do everyone's hair. Mm-hmm. My naivety. And then I got there and um, I said, I want to do every single hair type. And they were like, okay, cool. Three months into my probation and they were like, look, we've got no one that can teach you how to do afro hair and I was like oh okay well I do like working with you guys but it's not actually an option (laughs) it's not an option that I can't do afro hair so um so we we discussed that what would happen is I would work there part-time and then I would also work in an afro hair salon so I worked between six to seven days a week um because I still like the brand like they used to have like at that before, they used to have some stylists that would teach it and then they'd leave or whatever. But I liked it because even if I was the only black woman in that company at the time, it was an international company. So it wasn't like if I was maybe just the only black person and everyone was English, it, it might be offsetting, but it wasn't. It was like people from everywhere. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm, so, yeah. so um, and then they would, they were, they wanted to support that. They were actually quite apologetic. They felt a bit embarrassed about it, to mm. be honest. So as time had gone on, I'd always been open to working with every single hair texture. And one thing in my early days of training is you'd worked on models immediately. And there was a guy who was a bit of a... Oh, he was a, he was quite a difficult stylist to work with and they'd always put me with him. Mm-hmm. And um, he always worked with curly hair. And so he was one of the ones that taught me in the beginning about working with curly hair, even if it wasn't, like, textured in terms of Afro hair. So from then on, I, was, I, I wasn't afraid of working with any hair textures and the only way to become better at something is the more that you do it Mm -hmm. and understand it and the fluidity of it so for me in terms of my job I love the 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 diversity of my job I love that when I have clients like I could do from bone straight hair to like really tightly coiled hair to create in various different types of silhouettes it's just amazing like I I just love it. Mm. I don't know if that answers. Yeah, no, it does, for sure. And I was saying as well about the change, you know, the shift in kind of embracing natural hair and and the way that's been portrayed, I think, in media over the last couple of years has really, really helped. There's been all these different campaigns around, you know, curls like us. The representation is a big deal. Like, if you think of people like Lupita, you know, like to visibly see somebody that's got hair like yours. I mean, her being at the Oscars and having like a little fade and her hair, in its, in its beautiful, natural condition and that little tiara that she wore with, like, the massive red carpet. But, I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, that was everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, And then you have um, the YouTubers. Like, the YouTubers have been amazing, like, the bloggers and stuff. I mean, for professional hairdressers, it, it's, a, it's a love-hate relationship, you know, because some of the information can be quite conflicting and confusing and so on. But it, 
definitely has played a part in helping women to embrace their natural curl pattern and textures and the visibility of seeing that, whether it's via social media or going into super drugs and seeing like the makeup counters with various hair textures or any Hollywood actresses or singers and so on and so on, that has made made a major played a major part in it big time in people embracing that. And also sometimes you don't need to like throw it down people's throat. It's just them seeing it and they're like, Oh, okay, that's cool, that's beautiful. I would like to try it. I remember when I first went natural just over ten years ago. My worst critique was my sister. Like, she's brutal. She's, like, super gangster. She was like, really, sis? What the hell? And as the time's gone on, she's just, like, she loves it. Like, if I... Because now I'm, like, more about pro-choice with your hair. So it's, like, as long as you don't feel that being other than what your hair texture is, is more beautiful. Like, mm. if you have options, I'm all for that. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes I've said to my sister, I think I might straighten my hair and do a little pixie haircut. She's like, no! And she was <laughs> the worst one in the beginning, you yeah, know? Yeah. So it's people getting used to change and, mm. and, and, and resonating in their own beauty. And I recently went to Colombia and all the women are stunning. Like, they're beautiful. Yeah. But there's a particular aesthetic like, they all look the same. Okay. So after a while, three weeks into our trip, my friend and I are like, everyone's beautiful, but they all look the same. Like, the same kind of hair, the same kind of... Everything's the same. And we're like, it becomes dull. So to own your own unique beauty or hair texture or whatever, and you've got a crew of friends that look have their own individual beauty, that's far more mm. beautiful. I mean, in my opinion, some yeah. mothers won't agree with that, but it was quite noticeable. At first I was like, oh my God, I felt inferior. They're so beautiful. And then after a while, I was like, this is really boring. Like, ah, I quite, I like, look, quite like looking at myself. In <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you know, you know, I was nodding along to a lot of the things that you were saying then. And one of the things when you mentioned about misinformation is hair myths. So basically I get asked a lot of questions about my hair, Sabrina. And you know, I don't know it all. I'm just doing what works with my hair, but I get a lot of questions around what products you use, how often should I wash it? What, where do I get it cut? How often? All these different things. And there's a lot of hair myths, I think, especially around textured and Afro hair. So I'm really hoping that you are going to be able to answer those questions as the fountain of knowledge that you are. Okay. So hair myths, textured hair myths. Uh-huh. One is that you shouldn't wash your hair like every day or every other day. You shouldn't be washing textured hair a lot because water is bad for textured hair. True or false? False. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, talk to me. Talk to me. It's false. Um, I get it. Because before, if you think about it, before the focus with textured hair was to keep it straight. Yeah? So you definitely don't want to be near any water because it's going to revert. Okay? And now with regards to when you're wearing it in its natural curl pattern or texture, is the moisture is its friend and moisture is water. So that's what hydrates. So in terms of washing, it depends. So if you're using like shampoos that are like quite harsh or, you know, sulfate based, then yes, that can be quite stripping. So it may not be necessary to shampoo it every day or use sort of low lathering shampoos, maybe alternating co-washing if you want to do it more frequently. If you're someone that's, I don't know, going to the gym a lot or you need to revive your curl a bit or then, you know, low lathering shampoos or co-washes are good for those sort of every other day situations. But um, if you're someone that's co-washing and you're like, I only do, I'd never use shampoo, then I'm a bit like, okay, like you want to, what about your scalp health? Like that needs clearing away of the build-up because to co-wash only Mm -hmm. would be like like washing your body with moisturiser. 
Oh, do you know okay, what I mean? Sure. So you'd get a build-up. Right. So you, you need to take... Obviously, you don't want to use anything harsh to strip it away, but it needs a nice, healthy balance. So do not be afraid of water. I th- for me personally, I rinse my hair daily. If it's not braided like this, it's rinsed daily. People are going to be shocked to hear no, this. No, seriously. I'm telling you, curly girls, no. they're going to be shocked. No. Okay, the next one is about hair health. So I know that we've talked before when I've been in the salon and you've said about, you know, other things can affect your hair, not just the products and the things you're adding topically. So, for example, are you stressed, sleep, nutrition, maybe weather, seasonality, ageing? Yeah. So, yeah, what are the things that could be affecting our hair health if we feel like, you know, people say, oh, my hair's not in good condition, I feel like... Like I need to just use a whole bottle of conditioner. It just feels dry. What are the things, yeah, that could be affecting it other than the products? Okay, so um, if you're like if you're in ill health internally, the first areas that affect it is like your nails, your hair, and things like that. Because your body will draw on those. It will use everything. I don't know. Say something else is a more important organ or something. It will focus on that area, mm. and those areas are the least important so if there's various things going on in your life like that could have an effect on your hair or your skin or your nails and so on so things like that people don't take into consideration like you could be taking medication or that medication might need to come out of your system or you may be eating a really imbalanced diet you might not be sleeping well you might not be drinking enough water all of these things have an effect you know which people don't realize or even just how you handle your hair like the fact that you might be quite dismissive of it um, will have an effect on it and sometimes I explain to some clients that your hair can be like a timeline so when in particular especially with textured hair often people don't want to cut it they're like I don't want to cut it it's not going to grow and I'm like look like just Think of how old that last bit of hair is and how new the root area is. So that the root area is probably about four weeks. And those if those lengths and ends, depending on how long it is, could be like six years old. So if you think about what that last bit of hair has been through for the last six years. Wow. So six years ago, you could have been on some really heavy medication. You could have had an operation. You could have been living in Thailand. You could have been stressed out like that bit of hair is quite fragile so it needs maintenance Mm. do you know what I mean so whether it's like conditioning regularly or alternating with protein treatments or trimming a bit more little and often that will help to maintain it because if you're not doing that then it just gets really fragile gets split breaks I mean you you know for yourself when it's freshly cut okay it feels like a bit of a shock but you know when you go to detangle and do all of that stuff it's happy Mm. it's really happy I've got a client she is amazing she's like super in tuned with her body like she comes in sometimes and she's like look I can feel something's off something's off my hair's it's not in its optimum health so I'm going to book a retreat let's cut everything off um because I, I just know, I know when I'm not right. And she's, she'll say things like when she's at work, she knows she's only given 70%. She's sluggish, she's mm. all that. And I'm like, that's so good that you're that in tune with how you are and you notice it in your hair or your body or your attitude to work. So it all has an effect. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think I'm getting better. And it's funny when you said, you know what I was like. I used to be that girl, like, re- you know, the, the growth. I was like, I can't cut my hair because it takes so long to grow. But yeah, you definitely converted me to kind of maybe twice or three times a year which is yeah a lot for people with textured hair okay another thing uh, on my hit list of hair myths around textured hair is about sleep about tying your hair up about twisting your hair about um traction alopecia you know there's a lot of people saying now you know we've been pulling our hair back forcing these ponytails Mm. pulling it tight and it's really not good and so yeah the question really is 
is tying your hair back going to damage your hair long term? And also when you sleep, should we be tying it up? Should we be twisting it out? Should we, can you sleep with your hair down? Like what's, honestly, for anyone listening to this who's not got textured hair, they'll be like, what are you talking about? You just go to bed. It's a whole new world. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, I mean, anything repeatedly is not good. Like most things in our life, it needs to be done in moderation or there needs to be a balance. So if you're pulling your hair back tight, yeah, you're going to get traction alopecia. Some people do it and some may not lose their hairline through the front, but they'll lose it through the back where it's so tight. So it doesn't need to be, just don't have as much tension. I sometimes encourage, because people as well, that sort of thing, like if they've got work or they want to look professional, they feel that it needs to be pulled away nice and tight and things like that. So it's not actually necessary then when you're going to bed at night to do mm. that, even if it's just done loosely. Styling it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some people don't want their hair all over their face, so they do want to pull it up but maybe not like tight it could be just even if you tilt your head forward and put like a silk scarf and tie it up in a pineapple way where there's not even a hairband it's just in the scarf on the top of your head the other option is things like um silk silk or satin pillowcases so if you don't tie anything up at least like the texture is smooth it doesn't cause as much friction um, so And it's not as absorbent as, say, a cotton pillow, so it won't dry the hair out I've heard so this much. from um, facialists as well. Yeah, so, for your skin too, yeah, yeah. I've heard that from facialists yeah. saying you must sleep with a silk pillowcase. I was like, what is this bougie madness? Yeah. But they were like, no, no, apparently it's, as you said, not taking the moisture out of your skin. Yeah. And apparently, you know, if you wake up in the morning and you've got like an imprint on your yeah. face or like puffy eyes, apparently when you sleep with a silk pillowcase, you don't get that because your uh-huh. skin is, yeah, not being, yeah, I guess dried out and also just squashed yeah yeah no 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 it's true and I give like I give that as advice to clients like I'm like either a scarf a bonnet or or a silk or satin pillowcase or all three if you want to do that because I've got some that like "Mm -mm, I'm I'm not going with my scarf on to bed not with my partner I'm crazy I'm not okay with at least (laughs) it's not cute yeah and also I, I advise a lot of clients so regardless of whether you've got textured hair you might be like having like bleached hair or something like that and it's quite fragile so whether you've got textured hair or European hair like I would recommend it Mm. for most people you know Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby It's me, Kiki Palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, Sabrina, I want to talk about you and, you know, the fact that you left the Aveda Institute mm-hmm. after five years. Mm-hmm. As you described, you'd been at Tony and Guy, you'd had this, you know, I guess journey working at salons and then you made the decision to leave and to go freelance which I think you know any change can be challenging but I think going freelance in London one of the biggest cities in the world I think often people that's their dream but they don't know how to navigate that and how you know is it going to work out kind of thing so I'd love to know the truth the pros and cons of going freelance and also any advice that you would give to anyone listening who maybe wants to do the same um okay I have a friend and she's, I would say she's my mentor, to be honest. That's one thing I would say, I have a mentor. Because <laughs> you can't do it on your own. We all need coaching with something. Like you just mentioned about seeing a facialist, like you need just a little guidance with your skin or your hair or sport or whatever. And so that would be the same in terms of business and, and stuff like that. So 
I have a mentor. She's been there since I was like 17, to be honest. And I was petrified. I wanted it, but I was like, but what if it doesn't work out? Which is most people's attitudes towards it. Like, who am I? I'm just Sabrina Kid, and I've worked for these big brands and people come to me because I'm with these big brands. I'm aligned with them. So that's who they come to. And um, my mentor helped me in the way that what she said is, I really wanted it, but I was so scared. And she said, okay, look at it like this, Sabrina. When you've worked for... Because she always simplifies things so then it doesn't feel overwhelming. So she was like, okay, look at it like this. When you've worked for big companies, it's like living at home. I was like, oh, okay. And she said, and then when you go and work in a space where you're working in a studio, like the collective salon, that would be like flat sharing. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, this, I, I get it, I get it. And then she's like, and then you decide to go alone, whether it's freelance or have a shop on your own, and that would be like being a homeowner. And I was like, or, or, or renting and living on your own. So I already live on my own. And I was like, oh, okay, I get that. So then I was like, well, what about things like taxes and, and bills and council tax and... Uh, liability insurance like that sounds a lot she was like okay you pay the bills in your house don't you you pay your rent you pay your council tax you pay your utility bill you buy um, cleaning products and food and things and that you'll buy an abundance of some stuff that doesn't work you buy less it's the same as running a business and I was like oh you can do it yeah. I can do it yeah so I was like okay okay I can do it but I mean the term freelance I remember early on when I first went freelance I did an interview and I mentioned about being freelance and independent and all this stuff. And in the recent, in the recent maybe six weeks or so, I had a conversation with my mentor again. And we were talking about that. And we, she was talking about mindsets of being dependent, independent and interdependent. Mm-hmm. And so we discussed it. And I was, we were talking about the space that I work at with the team. And we were like, she was like, this space is interdependent. It's not independent. You know, because we collectively need each other to support each other. However, we still have our our own authenticity, which is what I get from the space that I'm in. So that's helped me hugely. So if you're looking from the outside into me, you're like, wow, she's doing it on her own. But I'm not like I've got masses of support. So there's areas I don't know. And I'm learning as I go along, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. Yeah. I mean, somebody that's probably got a business degree or something like that's going if they probably looked at me, they'd be like, how are you even four years now surviving? Do you know what I mean? But I've got the support that helps me to do it. And also I, I wanted to do it. And so there's this term of, I don't know if you've heard of it, like the six human needs. Mm-hmm. And so there's like certainty, uncertainty and all that, that sort of stuff. And there's an element of me that needs the uncertainty. I do. Like the, I need, that's the freedom. That. Yeah. It's the flexibility. But for some that they would just lose it. Mm. So to be able to work and live like this, because I clearly live like this too, it's a way of life, is that in order for the freedom, I sacrifice the certainty. Yep. And so if I want certainty, I sacrifice the freedom. So I'm I'm prepared to do the sacrifice the sacrifice of the of the certainty, which works out. But obviously I've got some elements of certainty, like I have a, a studio that I work at that support me. Um, I have a community of friends. I have some family members that support me because that's the other thing. Like if you want to do certain things, like you want to be a singer or you want to run a marathon or whatever, you need people to support that. You need people to be on side. If everyone's going, I don't know about that, you shouldn't do it, that's just going to seeds and then you get fearful and you don't do it. But one of the ones is like my grandma and that generation is like, they want security because they didn't have it. So my grandma's old school. She's like, make sure you see every money, every bit of money, one pound, five pound and all this stuff. So when I I said I wanted to leave my grandma was like 
what you're gonna leave the big company like she's yeah, worried yeah. so when I broke it down to her like financially and how it would be for my mental state and I'd be able to grow and stuff she fully supported it she said do it do it great she's and then even at one point she was like I can support you I can invest in you I was like no grandma you've Aww. done you've done your graph don't worry like I'm good the fact that you just you're my cha- your my cheerleader is is enough mm. you know yeah I think that's really important yeah. as you said having those people around you and I think for some people it takes a conversation yeah. you know to have that conversation yeah. to say look this is something I want to do this is something that's really important to me I need you to support me yeah. in this and not as you said bring me down saying oh what about this or in their eyes or just even bringing up problems problems help me find solutions to those problems because this actually is something yeah that I'm going to do so please help help me support me yeah Yeah. I mean obviously you need you need the realists Mm. maybe not the negative but you do need the realists so I have an agent who she doesn't mess around like I go to her when I'm like oh no she's gonna tell me what I don't want to hear but I need to hear that like I go to her and I also have this client who really helped me make the plunge and he's his background is uh an accountant and he I was 38 when I decided to move on and he I asked him to come to the shop just to get a feeling of what it was like and hear his feedback because my clients are the ones that are going to follow me so um, the dynamic of our relationship changed because once I finished cutting his hair he's like have you got time do you want to go for a coffee I've never been for a coffee with my client ever so we go for a coffee and I say to him look I'm really scared like I'm not sure if I should do it and he was like you know Sabrina with all due respect how old are you I was like 30 yeah he goes look just do it before you are before it's too late and he didn't mean age he meant my mindset okay he was like before you're too scared to do it do Mm -hmm. it now he goes one thing is this how long you've been working in big companies I was like "Mm, maybe about 20 years he was like right so you know that works you know it works so he said it's really low risk he said the worst case scenario is you try it doesn't work out you just go back yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's the thing, the risk aversion thing. When you mentioned before about, you know, sacrificing one thing for another, I think risk is something that people often, you, you have to figure it out, right, with your personality. Yeah. Am I risk averse or am I quite comfortable taking risk? But if you've already established that it's low risk, yeah. I think that is is powerful in itself because nothing's nothing can, there's nothing that can be, that can't be undone. Yeah, true. You know? It's true because there's also after that conversation, I, I then went back to Evade and I was like, look, I'm going to move on. And they were like, what? I thought you loved it here. I was like, the thing is, I do. Like, I love you guys. I think you're great. I've grown a lot here. However, I just feel like this is the next stage. Like, mm. I have to do it. Yeah. It's nothing against you guys. Like, as a company, if I wanted to be in a company, I'd work here for sure. But I need to do this. They were amazing. They were like, okay, right, do that. It's quite a big risk. So stay with us one day a week. I was like, what? Who does that? Yeah. So they they even supported it. So They didn't want to like, lose you, that's yeah, why. Yeah, well, they didn't want to <laughs> lose me, but they also support... I mean, who does that? Who goes, okay, we'll, we'll have you for one day a week? No one does that. So that, in terms of my esteem, was like, oh... Okay. Because you'll feel valued. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Amazing. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about the freedom and the flexibility that you crave. And I know that you love to travel. So whenever I sit down in the chair, I'm like, oh, where's she been? Where's she going? What's the plan? So why... I guess everyone loves to travel, but I think it's different. Some people say, oh, I love to travel, but actually they just love to, you know, have a week holiday in the sun. Who doesn't love that? But, you know, you take long trips and you go exploring and you go with friends and you go solo. So what is it about traveling that you, I guess, love so much? And what's the biggest value that you've got from traveling? Um, I must admit, like, that's the amazing thing about the way that I'm working now is that it, that level of freedom is insane. And as well, I didn't know that I could do it like that. 
Yeah, so how long do you that. typically book a trip for? Because I've heard, have you read Tim Ferriss' Four Hour Work Week? No. Okay, he oh, talks, I've heard of it, but I've yeah. read it. Yeah. Well, there's one section in it where he talks about mini retirements, and he basically says, don't wait until you're 65 yeah. to retire, yeah. because then you might be too old to enjoy some yeah. things. You might physically not be able to enjoy some things. So he says, instead, work, 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 work when you're working, and then take these mini retirements. And he okay. describes it as like a three month trip or, or a month trip where you do the things that you would do when you retired, but you do them now. And yeah. I feel like you live that you know so how long typically are your trips and where have you been uh the longest trip i've taken i think is five weeks mm-hmm. even i i was like oh my god even when i booked it i was like uh, uh, uh. um and that was jamaica like i love jamaica my grand my mum's side of the family are jamaican and also where that guy what you mentioned he said take these mini retirements my grandma's of that generation where they really worked hard and she was about in her 60s when she had to retire and not because she because she, she was unwell, so she had to do it. But And she didn't... There was no opportunity for her to take mini retirement, so that just wasn't an option. So, again, she was supportive in that. She was like, make sure you live, but also make sure you've got some security. But she really pushed making sure you live. So I went to Jamaica and I stayed with her as a base. And then I moved around the island and um, I met some new friends who I'm still friends with now. And when I go back, I always make a point of going to a different part of Jamaica. And you went on your own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I went on my own, but yeah, yeah, I guess so. And I stayed with my grandma as a base. And then and then I just go off and explore. Mm. But then I, it's really funny because then I have friends that might be there at the same time and they're like, whatever you're doing, I want to come along and do what you're doing. So um, yeah, Jamaica for five weeks. I recently just got back from Colombia. I was there for just under four weeks. Mm -hmm. But I went in 2018 with the same group of girls um, for for just under three weeks. And that just blew my mind. And what I get from traveling is suddenly it's so expansive. It's like you learn so much, like just experiencing and feeling and being... Uh, amongst people that speak different languages or cultures or all sorts. Like, I I can't even explain what I get from it. And I specifically like travelling at the beginning of the year, like the end of the end to the beginning, like mm-hmm. a big chunk, because it sets me up. And so last year I didn't do that. I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Wow, it was the biggest mistake. I felt so sorry for all my clients. Like, I felt sorry for my clients, my friends, everyone. And and this year, everyone's like, please go away. Please don't stay <laughs> Get that here. mojo back. Yeah, yeah, because it does set me up. And what's interesting is people's sort of habitual thinking and the things they say, like, oh, you must have holiday blues now. I'm like, no. Like, no, I'm inspired. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it does. And then I prepare for the next trip. And then I've got my dose of vitamin D and I'm ready. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, how could I possibly be having a blues? And also I've got the memory of it. Like, my friends and I have been doing a WhatsApp group and we're just like, oh, my God. We just keep laughing at ourselves because the trip was so epic. I love that. So, yeah, and then some solo ones are like maybe Paris or Greece or Spain or little trips. And travelling solo is so empowering. Like, one of my clients pointed out to me that I hadn't considered it. He was like... Um, you know, Sabrina, it's really good that you go away on your own. What a, what a privilege or luxury to carve time out for yourself and go away on your own. Mm. And I didn't think of it like that. And it is. It's really, oh, it's good for the soul. And then I meet people. Yeah. Like the last time I went to Greece last year on my own, 
met this. Um, I didn't I do any. Re- yeah, didn't yeah. really do any research. I was like, oh, just book it. It'll be fine. And then I met this woman called Donna, who's like a tra- uh, travel journalist and photographer, or tourist journalist and photographer. And she's from Canada. Chinese speaks like I don't know ten languages. She was staying in the hotel that I was in. Oh my god, I hung out with her. Went swimming at night. She told me some secret beaches. Told me where to go. I was like. There we go. And I was just open to it. Like, some people might be a little bit fearful. Like, yeah. well, something happens to me. Who's this? They're strange. And I just kind of go with my gut a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when I've done that, it's taken me in places I didn't expect. A bit like going freelance because I was really scared and I had an idea of how it would go. And I wasn't sure if it would, but I did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's actually gone in a way that I could never have imagined. So when you're asking me about these long travel trips I'm doing, I didn't know that I could even do that. Really, yeah. So, but you, like you said, then being open yeah, to being an opportunity open. before you know what it looks like, exactly, or before you know where it's going to come or who it's going to be with, you're just open, yeah. and that I think is perhaps, as you said, it can be scary, and but that I think is the big mindset shift. If you can be open to going, I don't know what's coming, exactly, but it could be better than what I have now, exactly. Then yeah, yeah sky's the limit. Yeah. And actually, we don't really have much time Sorry. to talk about this, but I really <laughs> want to mention it because when I mentioned I was a celeb stylist, stylist to Miss J Hurd. Do you remember? I remember when you started working with Jennifer Hudson, and the next minute you're like flying across the world. So I mean, those kind of opportunities, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that came out of nowhere, yeah, right? No, that, that came less than a year after going freelance. So you went freelance? So I went freelance like October 2015. Mm-hmm. And then 2016, September, I was in Barcelona on my own. Yeah. Um, and and then I got a message through going, are you available to look after Jennifer Hudson? I was like, what? Yeah. And then fast and also forward- fear, fear crept in. I was like, oh, uh, people like me don't do things like that. And I was like ready to go. Uh, Imposter syndrome. No. Yeah. And then I went, I always remember the game, my mentor going, it's yes until it's definitely no. And I went, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it. fast forward a few weeks, you're on a private jet. <laughs> yeah, I know. Madness. Yeah. So good. So, yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, she does my hair too. <laughs> she does my hair. So let's talk a little bit about the Power Hour because oh, okay, on the yeah. show, you know I love to find out about people's morning routines, their morning magic, what they do in the morning and how it sets them up for the day ahead. So, Sabrina, I'd love to know, I feel like you're going to have a good one. Do you have a morning routine or any morning rituals and what time do you get up in the morning? Okay, so I normally get up maybe two or three hours before I actually need to. Um, so probably between... In the summer, I probably get up about six. In the winter, maybe eight, seven, eight. And I need time to just, I need to take my time because before I used to always be rushing and I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like I need to take my time. So my rituals are, I always have, to, I have a glass of water. I got told off from my friend that's a yogi because I'd say my first drink's coffee and she'd be, she'd just ripped into me. So Hydrate before yeah, you caffeinate. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the poem. So now I do that. But, um, there's a ritual for me in making a coffee. So like, I have the beans, I have the grinder and I have a cafetiere and, and the flat is really quiet and I always have fresh flowers. So there's this whole, I switch my phone off at night, put it in another room. I have a, a digital clock instead to wake me up if I need to. And then I open my door and, and I, as I look out, I can see the flowers in the living room. It's, it's, still, it's, a, it's a thing. <laughs> it's Sounds a thing. nice. And then um, I drink a glass of water and then I make my coffee and then I sit in the living room or back in bed and I'll probably put some music on so most likely will be either Robert Glasper 
um, In My Element, the album, or it'll be um, Miles Davis, Kind of Blue. It's just perfect in the morning or nothing. Um, and then uh, it's just, and then if it's a Sunday, my standard is like, I do all of that and then get up and go and buy flowers at the flower market. My sister always takes the mick out of me. Where are you? Buying flowers. <laughs> but these are the, th- the little things that make me feel amazing. Mm, so, I love that. Yeah. That sounds dreamy. And the thing is, the small things are the big yeah. things, really. Those big are time. our day-to-day yeah. things. And I think, as you just said about starting your day rushed, probably 90% of people feel that they start their day rushed. Certainly people that I speak to about the power hour, they're like, oh, it sounds great, but, you know, I get up and I've got to do this and this and I want to sleep, so I don't want to get out of bed earlier. And actually, as you just described it, it's not a punishment. You're getting up and you're having, you know, whether it's an hour, whether it's more, for yourself and for you, you know, you want to start the day slow. You don't want to be rushed. So that energy, I feel like, because you have a calming energy, so I feel like that's probably where it stems from is in the morning, you're not having the rush, the adrenaline, the cortisol, so I feel like even when I come in and I have had a rush day and I've been here and I've been there and I come and sit down and you're like, hey, Jen. I'm like, oh, you know, so you have that. You carry it with you for the rest of the day. Which so, is, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's my thing. Awesome. OK, before I ask you my closing question, which I ask to every guest on the show, I'd love to tell listeners where they can get in touch with you, where they can come and get their hair done with you, where they can send you their textured hair questions. So hit us with the IG. Uh, so uh, my Instagram is Sabrina Kid Hair. Uh, 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 Instagram junkie, so you'll definitely I'll be there. <laughs> you didn't used to be. When I, talk I about, know yeah. it was you. It was you. me. Yeah, you was on my coach. Like, Sabrina, what are you doing? Come yeah. on. I was yeah. like, get on the gram. I want to see these outfits because Sabina has incredible style and she's cool. And when we met, actually, you had a shaved head. I remember Jude when you cut his hair for the first time saying, "Do you remember?" He was like, yeah. "Mummy, she's, she's no going to cut my hair. She doesn't have any hair." <laughs> He's going to be shocked when he sees me now. I, I know. Like, oh my God. But I remember encouraging Sabrina to get onto Instagram and post more frequently because I wanted to see those outfit goals so now you are on Instagram it's yeah. at Sabrina Kid. and what about if people want to come and get their hair cut with you your salon is in Mayfair uh, it's in Marleybone Marleybone sorry. Um, and it's called The Collective yeah. um, it's on Marleybone Street I not, should know that how many yeah. times I've been there <laughs> yeah Marleybone Street not Marleybone High Street it's a nice little pretty little yeah. road with it's the cool. only salon on there it's, it's cool cute. every yeah. time I come in and do Instagram stories I get people <laughs> asking me afterwards oh, where'd you get your hair done who is this wizard I'm like guys <laughs> check it out get into it so you'll see that again soon when I pop in and get my hair done okay so my closing question which I ask to every guest is all about time I value time and think that it is the most valuable thing we all have and can give to another person so thank you Sabrina for coming in today and giving me your time so if you had 25 hours in a day from now on you're getting one extra hour in the day what would you use that extra hour for I know the answer to that I'd read okay I would read in that hour because I love it and I don't make enough time for it. And then when I read some stuff, I just love it. And I've been recommending so many books to so many people and they come back and they're like, I finished it. Have you finished it? And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> I haven't finished it. So I would, I would read for an hour. OK, and what, would you, what book would you recommend? Just one that you'd recommend for us to read this year? I haven't finished it yet. OK. But I'm going to recommend it anyway because I bloody love it. Yeah. It's Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Everesto. That book is epic, even though I'm like halfway through and okay. I've been reading it since last winter. I took it on holiday. <laughs> Girl, as well. Woman, Other. Girl, Woman, Other. Like, that book's epic. Like, for right now, it's, it's brilliant. 
I would recommend that. Awesome. I'm going to add it to my wish list. Thank you so much, Sabrina, for coming in. You are the best. I'm just so happy that you've been here. And thank you so much for listening to the show. I really hope that you enjoyed that episode. As always, you can rate and review on iTunes. You can get in touch via Insta, Twitter. You'll find us. Hashtag Power Hour. Thanks so much for listening. Have an awesome week. See ya. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.